Well, good evening, everyone. I appreciate the music here at Trinity Baptist Church. Boy, you got folks are so full of so many talented people. It's just such a blessing. And uh, Pastor Tolman, that song is that is my very, very favorite song. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord. Believe it or not, believe it or not, I actually sang that song as a special one day in our church. And uh, if you ever heard me sing, you'd say that was probably real special. But uh, um, I challenged our church. We wanted to get new hymnals, and I challenged the church. If you, if we can raise up the money to get the hymnals, um, then I'll sing a special, you know. And uh, we bought the hymnals, but we didn't raise the money up. We still had money in the, in the and so everybody goes, okay, we got the hymnals, now you got to sing. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't the deal. The deal was if we raised up the money, and then and under duress, I sang that song. But uh, I, that song helped me and ministered to my heart for uh, so, so many times, rejoicing in the Lord. Um, tonight, like I said this morning, is going to be a little bit more of a teaching time. Uh, and so if you will, if you'll turn your Bibles in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6 and Job chapter 2. We're going to start in Galatians, and then the majority of the message will be coming from Job chapter 2. Uh, uh, just a, a quick word again about the, uh, the book. I didn't let you know this this morning about the books. Um, on Amazon, they're $14.95. So that $10, $10 price is a real deal. And the 2 for 20 and the 3 for 30 uh, was, is, is really a good deal. Uh, but uh, but uh, um, if you have opportunity, again, my wife will be back there. Uh, we'd love for you. This book has helped. I, I, thank you folks that have come up. Some folks have, are already halfway through the book after they purchased it this morning. And, uh, and uh, folks, it'll help you uh, as you go through your trials. There's also gospel tracks back there with Johnny's picture on the front. Um, and you can take as many of those as, as you'll give out. We'd love to, love to just have the Word of God going out. You know people that are going through a hard time or you just run into somebody that might be talking about it, you can slip them this track talks a little bit about Johnny, but gives him hope uh, that we talked about this morning. Also, if you purchase a book, you get the wristband uh, in spite of. You can tell people, hey, I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ in spite of whatever it is that I'm going through. When Johnny turned 18 years old, we um, had to get guardianship of him. And to get guardianship, you have to go through the court system because He's an adult at an adult age, but he was not capable of making decisions, especially his medical decisions that needed to be made for him. And, uh, and so we went into the court in Genesee County, and uh, we had a lawyer had to go with us, and, and an interpreter came. And the interpreter came, and, and uh, before we went into the courtroom, the interpreter talked with Johnny. Uh, like I said this morning, he was profoundly deaf. So, so um, through the process of time, she got to know him, and we entered in the courtroom, and there was a lot of, it was like family court. There was a lot of different people that were going for guardianship that day, and finally it was our turn, and, and uh, we had to sit at the table, and Johnny, he, you know, he, this is all new to him, and, and he's watching the interpreter, and the judge would ask him a few questions, and Jess, I understand, you understand you're gonna, your parents will be taking care of you. Yes, I understand all these things. And so, I mean, it's, it's usually pretty brief, and finally at the end, uh, the, the judge Asked Johnny, he says, have you got anything that you would like to say? I go, oh boy. He has no idea what he just did. So Johnny sits at the table and he goes, just like this. And as soon as he said that, I said, oh boy. Well, the day before, 
I had taken, Johnny had a, t had a TV in his room, and I had taken the t television from him because he had misbehaved. He had done some things. And I took his TV from him. Now, he's 18 years old. I realized that. But there wasn't a whole lot. He didn't have a lot of leverage, you know. I had to use what I had. And, uh, and so, and so <laughs> he went like this. He signed to the, to, to the interpreter, yeah, my dad took my television yesterday. And, and like and it, it, this morning, I talked to how hard it was to communicate with him sometimes, and the interpreter just looked at him and looks at me and says, what is he saying? And I had to say, he's telling the judge that I took his television from him yesterday. And the courtroom just erupts in laughter. And I think what it was, is Johnny was hoping maybe the judge would throw me in jail for taking his television, or at least, at least tell me, give him back his TV. Bob and Jason, they just thought that was the greatest thing in the whole world. Johnny throwing dad under the bus in front of the judge. Amen. But, uh, but uh, it, uh, it was just kind of the way Johnny was. Life with Johnny was never boring. It was never boring, but um, uh, also on that back table there is a, uh, a photo of John, uh, and that photo was taken Thursday evening at Halo Burger in Flint, and it was, uh, it was uh, a day and a half before Johnny went home to be with the Lord, and so we look at that picture as being a real gift to us, because that smile, it's an expression on his face, he's signing I love you, um, is like I know something you don't know. And it's not that Johnny knew that the Lord was going to take him home, but uh, it was just a gift to us. And so that's what, that's the picture. That's the picture that's on on the track. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Ferguson for having us here today and for the wonderful lunch. Thank all you folks for allowing us to be here and the kind words that we've already heard. And uh, you've been an encouragement to us, and we pray that we've been an encouragement to you uh, today. So Galatians chapter number six is where we're going to, we're going to start this evening. Man, I'll tell you, you guys have got everything needed to keep me in line. You got a big clock, you got signs that tell you to turn your mic on, and amen. All right. If you find your place in Galatians, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, if you're able, as we read Galatians chapter 6, and we'll read the first five verses. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Verse number two, the, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to talk to you this evening about bearing one another's burdens in spite of our own. Bearing one another's burdens in spite of our own. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now and we thank you so much for the privilege, for the opportunity, and for the blessing of being here tonight. And Lord, we, uh, as we open the word of God, we just ask for you to guide and direct Lord, I pray for your power. I pray for your touch. Lord, baptize me with the Holy Ghost tonight. Give me the words to say to encourage the folks that are here tonight to, to Lord, reach out and to help bear one another's burdens. So, Father, tonight, we just ask for your hand to be upon this message and our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Again, tonight's going to be a little bit more of a, of a teaching time. 
I want to kind of give you the benefit of, of 28 years of caregiving for our son, John, and some practical ideas. What We've had several pastors and pastor's wives down through the years say, you need to teach us how to help other people. We haven't been through what you've been through. And so we want to know, and, and I've been fortunate to be on both sides, amen? I've been someone that is that is that has uh, been a caregiver, but also a pastor that has tried to help others that are going through difficult times. Here in Galatians, the Bible says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Galatians says that you and I are to bear each other's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. But in verse number five, it says, for every man shall bear his own burden. So what a a joyful thing it is, the Christian life, amen? You're going to have burdens, you're going to have crosses that you're going to have to bear, but not only that, you're commanded by Scripture to help bear somebody else's burden. Isn't that great? But that's the Word of God. And that's what we're supposed to do. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 is kind of our ministry verse, if you will. The Bible says, and he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In in chapter number 14, verse 27, it says, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Those are some pretty strong words from the Lord. You, if you're not willing to bear your cross while you follow me, you cannot be my, disp- my disciple. But as we bear our own cross or our own in spite of, Galatians tells us to fulfill the law of Christ, we have to bear one another's burdens also. To fulfill the law of Christ. Ways that we can help one another. Fulfilling the law of Christ. Well, what is that, Pastor? Well, in, in, in my mind, I believe Jesus gave many commands as he was here on earth. But one command he gave to the church, and that was this in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. So the identifying mark of a child of God is that we love the brethren. We love one another. Amen. Love, though, is more than saying, hey, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. It's more than an emotion. Love is action. Love is an action, and it needs to be, because otherwise, they're just vain words, aren't they? They're empty words when we say, I love you. But, but what, it, God showed his love to you and I by sending his son to die on the cross for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love for us is demonstrated, is shown by action. Jesus' love for us was proved by his actions, was it not? John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus proved his love by his actions. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you and I are going to show or demonstrate or prove our love for Christ, we have to obey the word of God. Our obedience shows that we love the Lord. So our love 
has to have action behind it. I can tell my wife of 41 years how much I love her. But if I don't show her my love, she will begin to doubt whether or not I love her. So the proof of love for the child of God to fulfill the law of Christ and love one another, our proof is that we bear one another's burdens. That we help one another. In spite of what we're going through as we follow Christ, we willingly take on someone else's in spite of and and use it for an opportunity to witness. Now I want you to turn back into Job chapter number 2. Job chapter number 2, and we're going to start reading in verse number 11, and I want to use Job's three friends as examples of bearing one another's burdens. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. His friends didn't help him, but yes, they started out right. Job's friends started out right. They didn't get in trouble till they opened their mouth. Amen? So Job chapter 2 uh, two and verse number 11, the Bible says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that, had, that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes far off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was great. Hey, they started out right. They were aware of Job's grief, of Job's problems, what he had gone through. And they came, and the Bible says they made an appointment to come and to comfort their friend, to help bear his burdens. So tonight I want us to take a look at this and apply it to our lives so that you and I, I hopefully be able to leave here tonight knowing how we can show, how we can help bear someone else's burden as they're going through some difficult times. First of all, be available. Be available. Again, verse 11 says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came, everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. They made themselves available to come to see Job. You know, we need to be there for people as they deal with their problems. As they deal with their heartache. We need to be people that are make ourselves available to others. Why they hurt. You know we, my wife and I had opportunity to put this into practice just last week. Like I told you about. A dear friend of ours passed away. And we went to comfort his wife. And just sat with her. She talked and we listened. We need to be available. Being there for someone is, un, is invaluable. When Johnny was first born, there was a lot of support, right? A lot of people came around. A lot of people were, were trying to uh, be available. But as time goes on, life gets busy, right? Everybody has things. It's not anyone's fault. It's, it's not that people are, are, are not uh, wanting to help, but life gets busy. And people go on with their lives, you and I. Uh, a, a, a funeral is the same type of way. Someone in the family passes away. And while you're there, uh, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of people. And as time goes on, people's lives get busy. 
you are still grieving. You're still going through your heartache, through your pain. But other people go on with their lives. And less and less people are around there. It takes a concentrated effort on our part to be available for someone. It takes a concentrated effort for us to be there. It says that Job's friends made an appointment together. They got together and said, hey, you know, next Thursday, let's go see Job. Let's go see our friend. Let's go sit down with him. Let's go try to comfort him. When Johnny had passed away, there's some friends of ours that are, are, are we've been close since high school. I, my wife and I, we went out on double dates with them in high school, and they've been friends, and we grew up in the Detroit area, and we moved, and they moved, and we moved, and they, I went in the Navy with, with, uh, with Bob, and, and, uh, and uh, we went in on the buddy plan, amen, just like the Navy would do for you. They, we went through boot camp, and uh, I never saw them again for three and a half years. We were on the buddy plan, you know, but, uh, but uh, my wife ran into them uh, after we got discharged, and uh, we've been friends ever since. We live in Linden, and, and they moved up to Fenton not long after that. And so at the funeral, Johnny's funeral, they came up to me and said, hey, let us know if there's anything that we can do. And I grabbed them by the arms, and I said, look, guys, I know, you know, the funeral, there's all these people here. I said, we're going to need you. Please stay in contact with us. Stay in contact with us. And, you know, by God's grace, about every month, we'll go out to dinner together. And when, right shortly after Johnny died, it was so nice to be able to sit. We'd sit and cry, and we'd talk and cry, and then we'd laugh, and we'd have a good time together. But it's, it was a blessing to have someone that was there. They were available for us. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of, a friend, of his friend. Paying a visit to the hospital while someone's in the hospital sometimes can be such a blessing. Uh, Johnny, as we said earlier, had spent two years, over two years of his life inpatient in the hospital. And if Johnny was in the hospital, my wife or I were at the hospital also because he was deaf and, and he didn't have a lot of, uh, uh, couldn't understand a lot of things. He couldn't give his medical history. And you never know when a doctor's going to round. So one of us was always there. A lot of times, both of us were there. And, uh, and man, when, a new, when another face would walk in the door, man, it just would light us up. You know, uh, uh, we have somebody new to talk to, you know, and then you're not a doctor. And uh, it was it was it was just so nice to have someone come. Now, hey, there are times we have to be sensitive. There's times when people are in the hospital. They don't want you to show up. Hmm. Amen. They don't want you to you don't want you to come. People are not always at their best while they're in the hospital. But you need to be sensitive to those things. But visits can be so, uh, so um, uh, appreciated, you know, <clears throat> It's important for people that are facing trials and grief to know that we're there for them. You do know, as a child of God today, you are never alone. We that go through trials, many times we, we may feel alone, but friend, we're not alone if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. He's there for us. He's there with us. But to, if we're going to help bear one another's burdens, we need to make ourselves available then we need to be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Verse number 12 says, And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, and they knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and rent everyone his mantle, and sprinkled dust upon his heads, on their heads, toward heaven. Job's friends opened themselves up to emotion. 
they wept. They rent their clothes. They poured dust on their heads, sign of mourning. You know, they entered into Job's feelings. The reason why many of us don't want to be available is because we don't like being vulnerable. We don't like opening ourselves up to feelings and emotions. Being vulnerable means we have to open ourselves up not only to the emotions of the person that we're trying to help, but a lot of times our own emotions. Opens up maybe some scars. It opens up maybe some hurt that's deep down inside of us. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't want to feel our emotions. Emotions run high at the time of grief or a time of loss. But that's okay. That's okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4 says, A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Bearing one another's burdens involved, involves being touched by the pain of someone else. Being touched by their feelings, by their emotions. You know, Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 15, Rejoice with them that, re- that, that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Now, it's not our favorite place to be sometimes, is it? Being touched by somebody else's heartache and somebody else's pain. Jesus went to the funeral of Lazarus. The Bible says Jesus wept. He wept. He entered into the emotions of Mary and Martha and all the other family members and the, and the friends that were there weeping mourning the loss of Lazarus. The Bible tells us also in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The Lord enters into our feelings. He enters into how our emotions are. And we as the child of God, we as, as, as a Christian, the little Christ, we need to open ourselves up for the, to the feelings of others that are around us as we bear their burdens. It's not comfortable. But friend, it's invaluable to be vulnerable. Allow ourselves to, 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 to enter into somebody else's pain, enter into their problems. You know, we don't like being vulnerable, especially men. Man up. Get over it. Amen. We're tough. We don't like that. We don't want to get all this emotional stuff. God gave us emotions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional man. Amen. I was talking to a fellow the other day. And he said, man, brother, you know what? He said, the older I'm getting, the more emotional I'm getting. And I looked at him and said, me too. You know, a commercial could come on TV and I'll start welling up in tears. Don't ask me why. I guess it's just because we're getting older. I don't know. But you know, child of God, we need to be people that are willing to take on other people's pain. If we're going to bear other people's burdens, we need to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to open myself up to your pain. You know, men, we need to be willing to grieve properly. In our own lives. Because you have, to, you have to go through the process. You cannot short circuit the process of grief. You have got to go through it. You've got to get through it. And you have to, you have to experience it. 
and not squelch it. Because if you, you push that grief down, friend, it's going to rear its head back up later on. We have got to be people that are willing to grieve the way that the Lord has made us. Other times people will fade away because they don't want to stir up a grieving person's emotions. Afraid to make people feel bad when they talk to them. They don't want to make them feel sad when they're going through things. Can I tell you something? They feel sad already anyway. So allowing them to to feel sad and open themselves up to those emotions, it's okay. They're already there. They just know that somebody cares enough to enter into their sadness, to enter into their pain. We need to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Then we need to allow ourselves to be audible. Look at Job chapter 2 and verse 13. And they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was great. Chapter 3 verse 1 says, And after this Job opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. Job's friends sat in silence for seven days. Seven days, didn't say a word. Seven days, seven nights, they just sat there and grieved with their friend. And then Job opened his mouth, and he began to speak. You know, if you and I are going to help someone that's going through a difficulty, we need to be someone that is willing to listen. Willing to listen to someone that is in grief. Allowing them to speak about their feelings. Allowing them to speak about how they feel about God. Hey, times of grief sometimes, you know, we, 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 we want to talk about the Lord. We want to talk about uh, why is God, like I said this morning, uh, why is God allowing this to happen in my life? We want to, people need to have the opportunity to talk about those emotions. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Bearing one another's burdens means we need to be someone that's willing to sit and listen, but listen not with, with the, an ear for opportunity to speak. Amen? We want to fix everything, right? We want to fix everything. So, so a lot of times you ever talk to somebody and you can tell they're not really listening to you. All they're doing is waiting for you to take a breath so they can say something. That, that's not, when, in, in, in times of pain, in times of sorrow, we don't need to be that way, friend. We need to just sit and listen. Sit and listen to whatever someone wants to say. The grief and the burden and the heartache that they're going through. When Johnny was born, um, he spent the first two weeks in the hospital. He was in intensive care, neonatal intensive care. And, uh, and finally, we, he had surgery uh, right after that. So it was about a month or so after he was born, our pastor came over. And his wife came over, and my wife and I were just, oh man, thank the Lord, we're finally going to get a chance to talk about how we feel and what's going on inside our heart, and maybe he's got some answers, and maybe we can ask him some tough questions, and all these things, and they came over, and uh, they sat down, and we talked about the Tigers, and we talked about the church, and we talked about the new car that he got, and we talked about the weather, we talked about everything under the sun, but we never talked about the elephant in the room, and they left. My wife and I looked at each other and what just happened? We just wanted to talk. I knew he, he wasn't going to have any answers. Because we had real tough questions. And a lot of times we think that um, we have to have all the answers. And you know what? 
truth is we don't have the answers. And I think, I, and I'm not trying to be uh, uh, negative about our former pastor. I just think he didn't know what to say. He didn't know, he, he, he might have been afraid we were going to ask some of them questions, amen, that he, that he wouldn't have answers for. But I know this, friend, I know this. When, when people are going through difficult times, they need someone to talk to. You know, <laughs> many times people will fade away because they don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. I don't, you know, nothing's good. Amen? Peter was a fella that always had something to say. And usually put his foot in his mouth. Right? He usually, he, he always had something to say. Remember, the Mount of Transfiguration. Mark chapter 5, verses 5, and, or Mark chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. six and Peter answered and said to, uh, said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. He didn't know what to say, but he still said something. Amen. And isn't that us? A lot of times, we don't know what to say, but we got to say something. You know, friend, we've we got to get over that. We don't have to say anything. You cannot fix grief. You cannot fix pain. There's no magic pill, magic words that you can say that's going to make somebody all better. Amen. Sad to say, but that's the truth. We don't need to have all the answers. Being a good listener is such an encouragement to people that are grieving. It may mean hearing the same story over and over and over and over again. We go to, uh, we were going to a support group with people that had lost children. And uh, the, 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 the beauty of the group is that they go around and let everybody tell their story. Everybody tell their story. And I thank the Lord for that because we didn't really have that, that, that venue. You know, now I'm traveling around telling our story, but, but uh, it was nice to just be able to, to take the mask off and just go ahead and, and let people know what happened and how things are and be honest and upfront. You know the mask that we all wear, right? We walk into church. And, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Right? Because that's what everybody wants to hear. Everybody wants to hear, oh, I'm doing good. How about you? Those that are going through difficulties and trials, we also need to be careful. Going through a hard time, going through difficulties, you're you're grieving. We have to be careful that we don't suck the oxygen out of every room that we go into. Suck the joy out of every room that we go into where people don't want to be around us. Amen. Amen. That's important also. We need to talk about it, yes, but we don't, it doesn't need to be the, 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 the subject of every meeting we have with every person. Like I said, we met with that one couple um, and still meet with them. Well, we, we might bring Johnny up, and we love talking about Johnny, but it's not the, 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 um, the main thrust of every conversation that we have. You know, one experience that all people that have lost a loved one is that, they need to talk. They need to talk. Very few people will give them more than one opportunity to talk. Um, the doctor, that uh, our family doctor, he's the one who recommended us that we go to that support group. He, uh, he had lost a, a child that was 18 months old. And now this guy, you know, he was my age, maybe a little bit older. And he said, I'll never forget. He said, 
guys, doctors, friends of mine that have been, you know, went to college with, guys that I've known for years and years and years. After our son passed away, they would see me coming down the hall. They would turn the other way. They would, they would, they would stop, turn around, and go back the other way just so that he wouldn't have to talk to me. He said, that hurt. Hey, friend, God's people that's supposed to be bearing one another's burdens ought not be that way. We ought to be willing to listen. Those that have been the biggest encouragement to my wife and I are those that will allow us to speak and to talk. And again, they'll ask the question, how are you doing today? And mean it. (laughs) Amen. Really, really mean it. There's no need to put the mask on. Friend, if you really want to be a friend to somebody, when they say, I'm fine, say, no, no, no. Don't accept that answer. Don't accept it. Just say, okay, all right, we got through that formality. Now, how are you really doing? Tell me the truth. I really want to know. I don't want just the pat answer, and we move on. Tell them the truth. Being a a burden bearer means listening with no need at all to speak. Then, briefly, just a couple other suggestions are don't preach to a hurting heart we talked about romans eight twenty eight this morning and how much that that verse just really bothered me when johnny was first born i knew the scriptures i knew the word of god another one that people like to say is well aren't you thankful that god will never give you more than you can handle do you know that that's not even biblical we use 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You know, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will also with the temptation provide a way to escape that you may be able to bear it, right? John Ashley paraphrased. You read chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and what that's talking about is the rebellion and the sin of Israel. It's not talking about temptation and trials. The Apostle Paul, Greatest Christian man, in my opinion, ever to walk the face of this earth. Man of God. Had a thorn in his flesh that he could not handle. Right? He, he sought, uh, uh, begged the Lord three times to take it from him. God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Paul went from hating his thorn to finally embracing his thorn because he realized that was where the power of God was. In his own life. A friend of mine called me up one day and he was talking, we were talking, he was going through a trial. And that very day I I had just studied out that verse. And he said, boy, aren't you glad God doesn't give you more than you can handle? I said, brother, I got news for you. He regularly gives us more than we can handle. Because he wants us to trust him, not ourselves. Then don't pretend that we know how somebody else feels. Oh, I know how you feel. Oh, I know how. You know, I don't even know how my wife feels. We've gone through the exact same things. We're different people. I don't know how she feels. She deals with things differently than I do. We don't know how somebody else feels. We may be able to relate to whatever it is they're going through, but I don't know how you feel. Don't try to be funny. Amen. A lot of times we'd like to break up tension with humor. You know, try to be funny, try to make a joke or something like that. When someone's grieving, they're not ready for humor. They're not ready to be funny. They're not ready to have a good time. 
Proverbs chapter 25, verse 20 says, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon niter, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. We have to be careful not to try to be funny and make light of whatever it is. Many well-meaning people have come to the hospital. Uh, Johnny had so many different surgeries, but I mean, you know, his kidney transplant and, and those heart valve replacements. The first heart valve replacement took 16 and a half hours. They actually had to do two open, different, separate open-heart surgeries on them because there was complications. And people would come, and they're well-meaning Christians, but they're, 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 they're having fun in the waiting room. I wasn't ready for that yet. Amen? Just be careful. Be careful as we try to do that. And then, my friend, be prayerful. Be prayerful. The Bible says that Job's friends sat and didn't say anything to him. But maybe, hopefully, they were talking to God for Job. The Bible doesn't say that. But you know, it's, so, it's such a blessing when someone says, I'm going to be praying for you. And then they really do it. I suggest, because if you're like me, you'll tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you. And then you forget. You ever been there? You ever done that? And, and I always feel bad after I've done that. because. And, and what I try to do is pray for that person right then. My friend Chuck, that passed away um, just two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, a little over a week ago, he called me one time, and he's, he's, he's really upset because his cousin's got cancer, and he's telling me all about it, and he's, he's weeping on the phone and everything. And he's at work, and he had his own business. And, and, and I, said, oh, I said, oh, Chuck, I said, let me pray for your cousin Scott. Well, what I meant was let me pray for your cousin Scott right now while we're on the phone. He thought I wanted to hang up and go pray for him. So all of a sudden he goes, yeah, okay. And then I hear him start yelling at some of the guys working and his phone cuts off. I go, man, he must have thought I was the rudest person in the whole world. Yeah, fine, let me go pray for him. You know, hang up the phone. But I, 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 just, I, I try to get in the habit of praying for people at that time because I know I'll forget. And we all ought to do that. Christian, somebody at, at church is talking to you about a problem. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Why don't you grab him by the hand and say, let's pray right now. Because then at least you'll pray then when they're going through it. Be someone that's willing to pray. So bearing one another's burdens in spite of our own today is what God would have you and I to do so that we would fulfill the law of Christ. Be available. Just be there. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to have all the answers. There's a fellow that came up to me one night after a meeting similar to this, and he said, you know, we have three or four couples that get together and do things together. One of the couples, the wife died and left the, the man a widow. He said, for a year and a half, I've been afraid to go to his house. I've been afraid to talk to him because I didn't know what to say. He said, today I realize I don't have to say anything. Just be there for him. He said, by the grace of God, I'm going to that man's house this week. I hope he did. Maybe there's somebody that's on your heart right now that's going through a difficult time that could sure use a friend.
could sure use someone willing to fulfill the law of Christ in their life and bear their burden with them. Be available. Be vulnerable, child of God. Open yourself up to some emotions. Yours and theirs. And then be audible. Just listen. Grieving people will appreciate so much just someone that will just sit there and listen. You know, as a pastor, a lot of times you have to counsel people. Don't have all the answers, right? I, I, I freely admit I did not have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers. But a lot of times you'd sit and counsel people, and if you just sit there and let them, list, let them talk, they will talk through their problems and eventually come up with a solution, leave, and you're the smartest man in the world. And didn't say a word. There's a guy that, that lost his wife and three of his children in a car accident that we heard talk. He's, he's, he's local. He lives in Owasso. And um, uh, this happened in Indiana. And uh, he came to one of our support group meetings. He was a pastor. And he said that uh, a few months after his wife and children had died in that car accident, another pastor called him up and said, Hey, will you come with me and go and help me as I try to counsel a family that had just lost a, a, a child or someone in the family. He says, man, I'm still dealing with my grief. I can't help anybody. He goes, yeah, I know. He said, that may be the case, but you're the only person I know that, 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 that can relate to what they're going through. So he said, he said, fine. And they went over and he said, all I did was sit and weep with them. I cried and I wept and I cried. Then we left. He said it was a couple of years later he ran into that, that, that husband or wife, I can't remember what it was, and he said, they looked at me and said, you helped me so much through that time. And he didn't say anything. He just cried. And then, friend, be prayerful. Be prayerful for others that are going through a trial. And we can be burden bearers. We can bear one another's burdens in spite of our own. And that's what God wants us to do. Amen. Father, we just...